CabanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey, Brian. Hey, Mike. So, Did I don't... you listen to the Level 8 Podcast this week? I don't know what that is. That's me and Patrick doing commentary from uh, Grand Prix San Antonio. You have a podcast? No, we don't have a podcast. I was just working with Patrick this weekend in the booth at Grand Prix. He didn't even tell me he was going to go. That's weird. Yeah, it was fun. We had a good time. So, I don't like the ending of that Grand Prix. So, so obviously, I'm super happy for for Greg and Adam and and Andres. But, yeah, that's not the way it was. That's not the way the screenwriters uh, originally pitched the film. Yeah. You know? First of all, I don't care for them. Maybe they're great guys. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care personally. I don't know them from. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, I got you. I mean, it, it's kind of sick. So but like, no, no, no. My point being, I'm neutral. Yeah. <laughs> but then you balance it on the other side. Huey and Owen and Reed could have won. Yeah. You take that away. Like it could have been Jesus, Mary, and Joseph on the they, other they, side. I would have been reading for Reed. And they would have unified the belts, right? They'd be the first team to win a team limited oh and a team constructed event. Would they have given them belts? I, I mean, I, we would have talked. We could have talked. We could have kickstarted. You know, the belt started. You know, like WCW or whatever had like six man tag team belts, like back in the early 90s when I watched wrestling when I was a kid. I'm pretending that I don't watch wrestling now, but I do a lot. Probably going to buy the WWE Network soon. <laughs> I'm into it. But anyway, um, they had that, but they retired them like in like 93 or something. Maybe earlier than that, 91. Maybe we could like buy them off of eBay. <laughs> hey, well, could I buy those six-man tag team belts? I want to give them to Huey Reed. And, the, the, you know, when, and they, when they did the WWE card game, I forget what it was called. Like Raw Deal. Raw Deal. Yeah. They actually made belts for that. We could probably buy those belts on eBay for sure. Yeah? Yeah. Wasn't like Eric Smith like a designer on it or something? I don't know. He might have been. So, anyway... I don't know if you remember this, but a few weeks ago, we participated poorly, <laughs> very poorly. I would stress in a Grand Prix in New Jersey, right? I mean, I did very well. You didn't even show up. Yeah, I won a lot of prize wall tickets drafting. <laughs> okay. I did show up. I just didn't play in the main event. All right. You showed up, saw Plaid all day. That's because he was hiding behind Mommy's skirt. And but the cool thing about it was we got to hang out with KYT and some oh, Canadians. Yeah. That was super fun. We got to go to this pretty fun diner by your house. But I just wanted to revisit something that you brought up at that dinner, which is actually from this podcast like you know, two years ago or something now, which is I had this great idea. I forgot about the idea. I forgot about it. And it's a great idea. It's one of my many great ideas, right? Yeah. And the idea was you play a deck like, say, mono blue five-color dragons, <laughs> right? And, you know... Folks don't, just don't, don't know. We don't, want to, we don't need to go down this road. What Mike. certain cards do, right? I had the idea that I could you, have you the don't same need deck. Sheldon to call you an asshole again. <laughs> I could have the same deck, but like one in like Polish, one in like Korean. Like depending on complicated what my, Chinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever my opponent's race is, when I sit down, I pick a different deck so they can't read the cards. So anyway, that would be perfectly legal. <laughs> Yeah, you could actually have, like, some handy phrases in each language ready that you could use to sort of feel out the water. So you could sit down and ask them something in Chinese, and when they, like, shake their head like they have no idea what you're talking about, then you reach your Chinese deck. I mean, they might gain, they might they might know uh, what's up, uh, right? Yeah. I think I would just profile them, you know, like, <laughs> police style. But anyway, here's the thing. I want to show you a little something. Show you a little something here. I was inspired 
I was inspired by the new set coming out, Amon Cat. I was inspired to collect some Magic the Gathering cards. You don't see me, dear listeners, but I'm dancing as I think about collecting Magic the Gathering cards. Not just playing Magic the Gathering, but actually the collectible part of the card game. Here are four cards that I set aside. I'm going to send this picture to Carrie Dan so he puts it up. Because these could go in, in my legacy deck. I, I can't tell you what those cards are. <laughs> Neither can I, right? <laughs> so, one of them is a Chain Lightning. Oh, okay. That's a Chain Lightning. I believe you. One of them is a Spell Pierce. Yeah. One of them is... Days. 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 And one of them is... A, force Will is going to be very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're all going to be like 60 bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. But the Force Will is going to be stupid expensive. Yeah. And I'm going to have a hard time justifying this to myself because I have like 75 regular Force of Wills, which are already pretty expensive. But these ones are going to be like, you know, underground river. I mean, sorry, not underground. Underground sea level expensive. But here's the thing. Mike, they're only printing those cards in English. You can't do... No, no. This version of English is unreadable. <laughs> right? So... <laughs> so <laughs> I have this I, I would, so I would have this right and then I would be like the guy who I you know pretend you know I'm in my imagination like it's just some random local store kid and you're presenting like uh, you know a uh, uh, a Cyrillic version of Dragonlord Colagon <laughs> and he's just like shoot do I take 10 damage anytime I cast a spell who knows none of us can read Dragonlord Colagon so so I would be that person and here's the thing Brian here's the thing so jaded right like I've been accused by like Patrick Sullivan of thinking about Magic the Gathering as just an intellectual exercise but now I'm that noob right <laughs> so like theoretically I'm good at counter spells theoretically I'm good at burn decks but I wouldn't even know what my cards said <laughs> forget about what they did functionally it would be like every game was a brand new experience Okay, I love it. the idea of these invocations from from Amon. It's just like so you're saying if you believed in the heart of the cards, the right card would always be right there on top for you. And if it weren't, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Be <laughs> like, I, I, so my opponent's casting a spell, and I'd be like, I wonder if this card makes him pay two more or only one more. I would be able to tell you, but I can neither read the name of the card nor decipher what the mana symbol is in the top right corner. So, what do you think? No comment. It's great, right? I'm going to collect these cards. <laughs> and the Force Wills are going to be stupid expensive. But like... How about we talk about some uh, legible Amonkhet cards? Like playable cards? Playable Amonkhet cards. These are playable. It just depends on what kind of game you're playing. Like, I was talking about playing a game where I challenged myself. <laughs> but I suppose if you, <laughs> you know, play standard, something like that. Did you, did you see the um, the judges got a preview card? I think it, I think it was today. Uh, I went on the judges' website. Failure, I guess they're calling all the, whatever these are, the split cards. Like the, yeah. Uh, the, you know, like I think two. it's two, right? Yeah, yeah, two. So this is failure, but two complied. the way you would write it is failure slash, is it, what is that called, a slash? Yeah, uh, forward slash. Yeah, so failure slash 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 comply, right? Like the old ones were like fire slash slash ice. Yeah. So this is failure slash 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 comply. And I believe that's the, yeah. the way they're doing yeah. it. So failure to comply is one U for an instant return target spell to its owner's hand. So basically a um, unsubstantiate. Yeah, so or part of an unsubstantiate because yeah. it doesn't actually you it can't do it to a permanent. It's yeah. only to a spell. It doesn't bounce. And then comply which is the aftermath portion of the card. Uh, so you can uh, you can only cast the spell from your graveyard and then exile it. Costs white. Yeah. It's a sorcery. 
and you choose a card name uh, until your next turn your opponents can't cast spells with the chosen name. So I guess the implied play pattern is like I've got one of you open, my opponent casts I don't Cruel know, Ultimatum. Time Spiral, Cruel whatever ultimatum. it is, yeah. Cruel Ultimatum. I go reman this. I've been doing this. a lot of modern master traps, so I'm, Cruel Ultimatum's on my mind. Reman this, but I don't draw a card. <laughs> right. Okay. Reman it, okay? But now I know Cruel Ultimatum is in your hand, and you could have like 16 Cruel Ultimatums in your hand, but when I cast Comply, right. you can't cast any of them, so it's like a, it's like a, a Reflector Mage, Time Walk-ish move for one turn. And and because and since they can't do it, any that card on there, assuming you have you know advanced that middle stage of the game where you have a lot of information about your opponent's hand, it also gives you a turn off to do other stuff on your turn. Yeah. With your you know with your map, right? So you'd be like, oh well, now I can tap out and play my cruel ultimatum here, or I can tap out and do this, and as long as I pay one white to lock that card out of your hand, right? Like the fatal siege rhino or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so, I like this card a lot, actually. I thought about. I don't know if you remember the name of this deck. I think you can, you might have come up with the name of the deck. It was is it a deck with a name. Yeah. Then I probably. I did. think it was Temporary Solution. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was a deck. That was from Grand Prix, like Singapore. No, no, Grand no, no. Grand Prix Boston. It was Grand Prix Boston that. Um, I want to say Lucas Glavin won. Oh in the yeah. Finals, right? That, yeah, yeah. I, I lost to this deck, right? It was like a blue-white solution deck, but like none of the solutions lasted very long. But like it would last long enough. Like oh when, no no, it, we, it got played a couple weeks later in Singapore. Yeah, That's, but it yeah. was like from Boston, right? Because yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. say Adrian Sullivan came up with it. I don't I don't 100 percent remember. Right. But anyway, because um, I lost to that deck on the Swiss, so the I don't remember who played it, but he beat me, and then. He, he made top eight. Not that that implies that I made top eight, but Josh Ravitz, actually, that was the tournament that he got on the on the, the Pro Tour uh, by making top, I think he was ninth or something. We played the same deck. Anyway, um, yeah, this is like such a temporary solution card to me. It's like, which I'm not sure if that's great or not good at all. Um, it, it certainly has applications. I think, especially in certain formats, where somebody where somebody's just gonna big spell you. It's any spell? You can any spell yeah, it? Return target spell to its owner's hand. <clears throat> and then the aftermath is just choose a card name. Uh, your opponents can't cast spells with its chosen name. You could even like in a mirror you could I mean you could name failure to comply, right? And then they couldn't failure to comply you. So the I think that this card might be more cute than it is good. Uh, and the reason I think that is like it's three total mana to not permanently stop, let's say, somebody's primeval titan, right? Like, I'm sure. thinking, like, what's, what's a really flexible way of looking at this? Like, you could just cast I a think... three casting cost card and... You could cast a three, um, any number of three casting cost cards that would just permanently stop that card, right? So the, the, way, I see this, the way I see this card working, or the play pattern I see with this card, and I'm going to use cards that aren't in standard, mm -hmm. but, like, you know, is counter your spell... Yeah. Um, you know, you know, you tap out for on turn four to do something. I counter it. On my turn four, I pay white. I say you can't play that spell, and then I cast compulsive research or just a or, or painful it. truths if we want to make it. And then I dig. Now I know you're not going to play that spell. You know, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting so to me. I think counter your rampant growth. I think the thing that's cool about the card is that it. 
is disproportionately effective when the opponent has multiple copies of the same good spell. Or, or you, but, but you're just putting them off their turn sequence, right? Like, but, you, you get to... Yeah, but it doesn't... Like, A, there's two problems with it. One, there's comparable cards that just counter a spell for two mana, right? So, in Magic, there's pretty much two kinds of things. We, well, don't, get, we don't get many counter spells that say target spell, though. We get creature yeah, spell, but, instant spell, sorcery but in, in, But this isn't a card that you would really play in your main deck, I don't think. So, I think, like... Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like to me that there's either cards that you get with an essence scatter or there's cards that you get with a negate, right? right? Those are the two kinds yeah, of yeah. cards, right? And they both cost the same as this and are better than this in every way if the opponent doesn't have a second copy of the same card unless you're, you've picked the wrong format, right? So, like, what do I mean by this? If, say you're playing in standard and you're playing against Mardu, v Mardu Vehicles. Negate's a great card against Mardu sure. Vehicles. I think Essence Scatter's probably an okay card against Mardu sure. Vehicles. Who knows? We, we've had no context around this. But I certainly know that people haven't been playing horribly awry. Listen, man, if you're just going to bring up Mardu Vehicles, none of the cards we're talking about are going to be very good in state. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's a potentially a problem. But anyway, you like it. Um, I, I'm going to... I think it has applications, but I'm not excited by it at all. Yeah. Not excited. No. What is okay? I, I think I think the card's kind of I think the card's kind of sweet. I think that again that that ability to take your turn and then say okay I can ignore. The yeah, I don't even think it's sweet. You know who I think is sweet? Like Sacred Cat. <laughs> That's like the white for a one-one life link. Flashback white. Yeah, I think that card's sweet, and I think it might be good. I think that I like that card more than I like Failure to Comply personally. <laughs> All right, so. Um, because I can just think of a lot of situations where I would want a card like that, right? And I can't think of a situation where I, Like, it's just weird to me, right? Like, you have to be able to craft a whole bunch of your opponent's experience in order for that card to be of outsized value. There's just other things you would do that are all in, always in print. Like, there's never going to be a situation where failure to comply is in print and essence scatter isn't. They're in the same set. Sure. Right? That's the... That's. I mean, there might be a situation... They're allowed in the same deck. <laughs> well... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in a Howling Mind deck, it's amazing, right? That's possible. Right. Right? So if you're playing, I guess, a Jeskai Fevered Visions deck, maybe this is fantastic. It actually seems insane in a Jeskai Fevered right. Visions deck. So maybe slightly above average in a Jeskai Fevered Visions deck and slightly below average in every other deck. Okay. All right. So um, what, do, what do you want to do? We want to, other than talking about just the, the four blue-red counterburn cards I want to play in Legacy. Well, why don't you pick some other cards that are interesting right. to you? Since you picked a card that was blue and white, I'll pick a white creature. That's not Sacred Cat, but might be friends with Sacred Cat. But probably not. Yeah. This card is much better than Sacred Cat. Okay. Alright, the card that I'm choosing is Regal Karakal. Okay. So Regal Karakal, how do you say that? You know, you're going you're, you're to have to know before the Karakal? Pro Tour. Is three white white, so five total. For a creature cat, it is a 3-3 creature, which is great. A 3-3 for 5, yeah. fantastic in white. But it has other text, believe it or not. Okay. Other cats you control get plus 1, plus 1, and have lifelink. So it's kind of friends with Sacred Cat, but they already had lifelink. Yeah. So it's half friends. But wait, there's yet another line. Okara's closest viziers are known as her chosen 
though others may have a better claim to that moniker. Yeah, is that the but, flavor text? But in between the flavor text and, and the first line, there is another one. When Regal Caracal enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one white cat creature tokens with lifelink. This card is, I think, substantially better than Cloud Goat Ranger. I was going to say, is this Cloud Coat Kit? Cloud Cat Kit? So, like... It, like, I think it's way better than Cloud Goat Ranger, right? So it, it crusades all your cats. So if you have other cats in your sure. deck, they would, you know, they would potentially be bigger. It stacks. So if you Does have... Does White Sun Zenith make kittens? Make cats? I don't know. But, like, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't play cards like, I don't know, Sahili Rai with this. It seems like... seems pretty awesome, right? You would, like, just oh, produce yeah. more cats and they would all be buffed, right? So... Um, or, I mean, and you just play multiple copies. You know, maybe you have, like, a white mid-range deck, something like that. But you just on its face, it's one, two, three, four, seven. its face, seven. whiskers. So it's seven power for five mana across three bodies. Sure. Which is, with lifelink on yeah. two-thirds of it. Yeah. Which, I hope this isn't heresy, seems substantially better than the card Verderous Gear Hulk to me. But so Verderous Gear Hulk is eight power for five mana, but... No implication on bodies. It's a little, little grave titany. It seems really strong, right? What, it's a uh, man is, it, less. is it legendary? No. Wow. But it helps other cats, right? So if you yeah. had other cats, yeah. they would be tricked out, man. So what do you think about this guy? I, th I think it's probably better than than Verderous Geralt. It's like similar, I think, to uh, maybe a more off. It's not even fair to say it's offensive. Like, I think it's somewhat comparable to Ishkana. Maybe not. Maybe that's an insult. Ishkana is like such a great defensive card. I, mean, I think I think Ishkana is a, right. Well, the the, the the ability for Ishkana to uh, block flyers. Like Ishkana takes pretty, over pretty, the game in a certain yeah, way. Yeah. Like I don't know. But I, I guess the life life the life link here serves, serves a similar purpose. I I would love to see Sahili Rai actually get played in a non combo kill deck. you deck. Yeah. And like cards like this would be just like super sweet with it, right? I mean, I, it wasn't a card that I wanted to focus on because I think a lot of folks talked about it before, but like Glory Bringer, the 4-4 four, four dragon. For, yeah, it's a card. I, it's a card I have. I pulled aside here. Oh, so let, why don't we talk about it? You know, I know, I know this was a card you were excited about. I know when I was talking to Patrick, he was like super stoked about that card as just being something that uh, was, hold on one second. So Glorybringer is a 4-4 four, four dragon for 3RR, right? So 5 mana for 4-4 four, four dragon. And it has multiple abilities. It has flying and haste. Right. So this is, this is you know, a card you'll be picking first in some legacy cube in some not-so-distant future. Possibly the new legacy cube. I don't even know if so, it's in there. Yeah, it's comparable to cards like Stormbreath Dragon already that people would have already played. Yeah, it's a 4-4, four, four, but it's only 5 mana, so, you know. Yeah, so, well, Storm Breath Dragon is 5 mana yeah. for 4-4 four, four, yeah. with haste and flying. It has a different special ability, right? Yeah. But this one has a great special ability, I think. So this has uh, Exert. So you can Exert Glorybringer as it attacks, and when you do, it deals 4 damage to target non-dragon creature and opponent controls. Exerted creatures don't untap. Yeah, right, they don't. I'm sure people are going to figure out ways to untap their exerted creatures, but that's yeah, neither so here nor there. If you have, like, Sahili Rai in this guy, like, Sahili can just make a copy, and then the copy can exert, and you have basically no downside. Right. Right? And then you can exert or not, right? This card, the reason I like this card so much is it, especially if you're on the play, this thing is the Gideon Slayer. Yeah. It was kills designed the token, to kills murder Gideon. Gideon. Yeah. And you still got a 4-4 dragon. I mean, it kind of, it kind of just... I mean, Gideon is the poster child for planeswalkers that need killing. But, like, most planeswalkers, you know, when you talk about planeswalkers protecting themselves, you, 
like most planeswalkers are going to be pretty vulnerable to this guy. I feel like this is the hero's downfall everyone's kind of been waiting for. I mean, I think there, there is just a hero's downfall. It's way better than hero's downfall. Is there? I haven't seen it yet. Cast out? Have you seen that? Oh card? my gosh, yes, I have seen cast out. I think Patrick told me he said it was the most Mike Flores card he'd ever seen. And like, <laughs> part of the criteria is like, first of all, I love one mana cycling. I was just gonna say. Right? But beyond that, like, I'm probably guilty of being the most of all time, of no other Magic player or no other deck designer ever, more guilty of just like jamming a Faith's Fetters into a deck or sideboard, <laughs> like ah. Oh. We've got like one sacred foundry and or temple garden for Faith's Fetters, you know? And uh, yeah, so, and then it has flash. It's like, I think substantially better than than um, Stasis Snare because it can also hit Planeswalkers yes. and artifacts and, and- And for some reason you could cycle it. I think I will cycle it more than I will use it, but I think the fact that I could really? use it is gonna be great. Yeah, how many permits do you really need to interact with over the course of a game? Right, like the way that magic works is like either you're just blitzing them or you just get them with a big thing. Like I think the fact that this card could just like get somebody's Ulamog is redonkulous. Just get your Ulamog. <laughs> like it shouldn't be, man. Yeah, I mean getting getting your play. I mean, pl I think Planeswalker sort of just dominating the board has been just uh, up, kind of a up disappointing Uplanswalker <laughs> up dominating the board has just been. I think one of the disappointing interactions a lot of people have had with Standard in the past yeah. year, right? Like Gideon for the most part, but also Zeheli now. And this set gives me a lot of hope, actually. You know, like, I just, these cards, these cards are just, they're my people, man. Like, I mean, they're like exactly the kind of cards I love in Magic. There's like, a card that's 1GG. Yeah. Which is... It's an You're, insult. I, I thought about having that be a card that I had as a standout, but I just hurt too much when I thought about it. So I, why don't you why don't you just talk about this terrible example of the Magic the Gathering card? I mean, and this has been the card people have been had you know pretty wild opinions about in, in all sorts of directions. Prowling Serpapod. Serpopod. It's a cat snake. Yes. Whatever the hell that is. Right. Uh, so it costs three. One GG. It's a four-three, so gnarled mass is so just, it's just better it's than just, a gnarled. <laughs> just for shamed. Yeah. Uh, prowling a serp part can't be countered, and creature spells you control can't be countered. So if there were a situation where if there was some situation where people, people were play counter spells, yeah, <laughs> this card would be great. Maybe you would failure to comply this right because you could you could do that to this card. Yes. Um, Maybe that's an application because you can't essence scatter it. Oh, that's a great point. But it is a four-three for three, and as we all know, Gnarled Nass was a, a format-breaking card at three-three <laughs> for three. It was a the greatest trained Armadon ever, I mean, just because of context, of course. Um, and this is four power instead of three, so it's it's bigger. Uh, I think everyone would rather just have the toughness than the power, but I guess fine. Yeah. Uh, and. And then it has a second line of text, which is like making all, all your next, because you could play this, if, and if you untap with it against a deck with counter spells, then you could land some sweet creature, right? Like a, I don't know. Whatever a, a sweet creature would be. A, a, a glory bringer, whatever that guy's well, called. Well, I don't know, probably like maybe the Hydra that gets hexproof or something. Sure. Like that seems like a card I'd want to land against a control deck. Yeah, but if you know, you could see a situation where you just really want to stick a glory bringer, right? Like yeah. you're like some green red deck and you want to kill a planeswalker. You know, I don't know. 
seems reasonable to so me. So I think this card is offensive for about three reasons. Number one, <laughs> it's... I don't know if it's fair to say it's strictly better than Gnarled Mask because it's not a spirit. Spirit was an important interaction never. Yeah. <laughs> never one time. Um, in fact, it was a detriment because we played Hisoka's oh Defiance, which counters spirits. Mike, you're just going to play green-white, aren't you? Okay. Mike, you're just going to play green-white. Mike, you're just going to play green-white. You're already, like, you're about to say, it's a cat. He gets plus one, plus one from the Caracal. Well, first of all, my Caracal would be uncounterable. <laughs> Just to point it out, okay? But no, I wasn't going there. But if you want to go there, that's okay. That's You're going to be cycling your, your stupid Oblivion rings and then not having them to kill your opponent's Planeswalkers. Why, why would I need to? I have uncounterable creatures to just attack the Planeswalker. Why would I need to, why would I need to lower myself to using... You know what's actually great about Cast Out? is that it's an enchantment with cycling, so it helps you delirium. drive delirium. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's, it's, like, it's so unusual. And it's so cheap. But anyway, um, the, anyway, the power is offensive. B, nobody counters creatures anyway, so it's just like, oh, look at all this text. And then it's weirdly costed. And I kind of don't know if I want it that much. There's only three toughness. And let's be honest, dude, the one and two casting cost cards of three power now... If you're getting in a situation where you're just trading this with a... He doesn't even trade. He gets first strike, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if it's a good deal. <laughs> the fact that I don't know it's a good... If it were 3-4, I'd be like, in. But, I don't know. Yeah. It's been a really... This has been actually a really polarizing card. Like, you've seen a lot of people, obviously, super excited about it. And you've seen a lot of, like, sort of pro-level people basically pooping in its litter box. You know? Uh, being like, this card's terrible. I mean, Why do people think it's... It's all context, you know. It's the thing, though. I, I think this is a card that just, like, mag magic is not just for us, right? Like, magic is... What are you talking about? Magic is... I'm the kind of person that would buy the same deck three times in different languages to make it so my opponent doesn't know yeah, what my cards do. Yeah, but then you think that like, I have empathy for them? There's also just this, like, wide selection of people who play magic on a, on a you know, much more casual basis and who play against some jerk at their local store who does nothing but counter every sweet creature they want to play. Are you talking about Randy Bueller? Are you specifically <laughs> talking about how Randy Bueller got kicked out of his local commander league? This is a true story. So Randy Bueller doesn't work at Wizards anymore. He's like, oh, I'm going to play Magic for fun now, right? Instead of just making Magic cards, I'm going to play Magic for fun. He's like, oh, what do people play for fun? Commander. He's like, oh, the commander I choose is Vendillion Click, right? Or did he choose a zombie first, right? He's like, oh, so my deck needs to be mono blue since I chose a zombie and or Vendillion Click. Both of them were in his deck. I don't know which one is Commander. <laughs> I think it was Vendillion Click because that, seems, that seems like the more horrible thing to do. Well, then you right? get to tunnel vision, kill people. Okay. So so I think, so that was his Commander and he made a deck of all just mono card drawing and counter spells, right? So I think he's the first person in the history of fun magic <laughs> to be kicked out of a local scene. <laughs> For... <laughs> But We're I think, just playing blue cards. But I think I think there are there are players of, of who have that inclination. I mean, and there are people who just enjoy countering everything. Wait, wait, I so just think it's I think it's a kind of a, a really sweet card to exist in Magic. Did, I don't know if it will have a tournament impact. Did Randy start with Vendillion Click and then switch to Azami? Like his compromise was to have like a five casting cost commander. <laughs> but he would like lay out all of his wizards first so that when he cast his commander for the command zone, he could just draw a bunch of cards in case someone was going to kill him. I mean, them. those are not uncommon commander decks for people to have. Look, man, I don't know everything, but I know this story. <laughs> I never heard somebody getting kicked out of Fun League before. <laughs> like, hey, guys, let's just sit around and have pizza. Except you, bro. <laughs>
I heard you were Rookie of the Year and I remember the Rotor Hall of Fame. Get out of here with your islands. What do you think of Channeler Initiate? Channeler Initiate. So it's 1G for a 3-4. I like it already. Um, when Channeler Initiate enters the battlefield, put three minus one, minus one counters on target creature you control. Yeah. Uh, and then tap, remove a minus one, minus one counter from Channeler Initiate, add one man of any color to your mana pool. Wow. So it's basically a bird to paradise. It seems really powerful. I mean, it's birds, right? Like, it's an 0-1. Well, but it costs two, right? Oh, yeah, no, that's true, right? I mean, other... But it, like, yeah. ramps you to four, and then yeah. at some point, it's just... At it's, some point, it's just It's big. just a 3-4, right? Yeah. Uh, I think... I like it. I think in non-energy decks, it might just be better than Servant Conduit. <laughs> right? Like, like, a 3-4 is a meaningful size. And I think, aren't there, like, a lot of effects that either pay you for having oh, counters and or allow you to move counters around? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, maybe... Like, I don't know. It seems like at least a card worth talking about. But I think... I don't know. I think that they're probably reticent to create mana accelerating creatures that cost only one. Right. So maybe they're just testing out different sweet things to do. Like, Servant of the Conduit isn't even that great of a magic card, but it's, it's seen in a short period of time an enormous amount of play because of its flexibility and synergies, right? It's so good with Aetherworks Marvel, with, you know, um, you know Electrostatic Pummeler, whatever, whatever, whatever yeah, yeah. friends it wants to make. It has those synergies. Like I, mean, I don't know about you, but playing Sultai Stink Bomb, I often played, <laughs> I often played, Servant of the Conduit just to get the two energy and chump block. I was yeah, just, yeah, yeah. perfectly happy doing that while I was setting up the rest of my game. Uh, so, I don't know. I think this is probably a powerful card. Uh, I think that there's a wide enough variety of different two casting cost accelerators that you would choose Servant of the Conduit sometimes. You would choose this sometimes. You might choose Hedron Archive sometimes. I'm sorry, Hedron Crawler sometimes. That would be weird in a green deck, <laughs> but you might choose it. Um, I don't know. I think yeah. it will be played. It's, I, I'm, I, like, I think this card is a better card in terms of its likely success in tournaments than failure to comply. That's my opinion. Okay. All right, that makes sense. All right, now let me, let me ask you about cycling. Because cycling is obviously a big part of this. Renewed Faith is in the set, Mike. I like Renewed Faith. You've played that at a Pro Tour? An extended pro tour. <laughs> I'm sorry. In a very large pool, constructed <laughs> format, pro tour. Could have played cards like Golgari Grave Troll the week it was released, essentially. Remember when you said to play Golgari Grave Troll? I'm like, shut up, Ryan. I'm, like, cycling, I'm, I'm cycling into Wrath of God and I have a skeletal scry. <laughs> I've got one that's all the card advantage anybody needs. Yeah. I went like four and four, I think, in that Pro Tour, which means that I defeated four opponents. <laughs> maybe, maybe it does. You might have gotten a bye. No, I did okay. not. I figured out how to beat the Golgari Grave Troll deck that was at the Pro Tour on the fly. Because I had also Gerard's Verdict, which is like the bad hymn to Torak. They get to pick their cards. And I was just like, oh my God, this card is quite bad against someone who just wants to discard Golgari Grave Troll. <laughs> like if they didn't have a method to do so, I've now given them one, but I figured out how to win. I did it on the fly, I defeated that deck. However, I lost to just the regular decks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Archfiend of Ifnir. 
I think this card is... 3BB for a 5-4 flying. Whenever you cycle or discard another card, put a minus one, minus one counter on each creature your opponents control. I think this card is possibly one of the best cards. And it's highly driven by context. But, like, if people are playing, I don't know, let's say a lot of cats that right. are small, but they're, like, go-wide strategies, where they have Aldrazi or Servos, you know, soldiers... Um, small creatures that are going wide. I think if you untap with this card, it's probably real stupid. Oh, you don't even, I mean, you don't even necessarily need to untap, right? Like, you could play this on six mana and then cycle a cast out. Yeah, you could do that. I think that the secret... Which is... A, I mean, you're getting a lot of value that turn. Yeah. So, I think that the secret to this card is... Well, it also has cycling itself, And right? it has cycling itself. Is yes. that you, you, you can just get rid of it if you don't want to have, like, a 5-4 for 5, which... A 5-4 flyer for 5. It's weird to me that we're debating whether a 5-4 flyer for 5 is, <laughs> is not great. Um, but, you know, let's, let's humor ourselves here. That's one thing. But then separately, I think the secret here is that it's discard or cycle, which is weird. They could it have just weird. said discard. It is weird. Um, and, and that means that there's cards like Cathartic Reunion and Tormenting Voice that are like oh really powerful, that are slightly off theme, or like what if just for sake of argument, you do this on six and you had one mana open and rather than cycling a cast out or some other cheap cycler, you just lightning axed their big thing. Like, you lightning axe their Caracal and then yeah, all their other, other, other cats die, other cats right? Like, died. Yeah, oh God. Is, that worth a, is that worth your, you know, yes. extra land? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if your extra land is a Drownyard Temple? <laughs> all right, so, because I think that those guys would all be buddies, right? Right, right. So, I think this card is very exciting, but, like, a lot of fairly flashy, but not super huge creatures that cost, like, a medium to large amount of mana... It, the, the competition at that mana point is like... That's my question. Archangel okay. Ab... I mean, this guy gets his face kicked in by Glorybringer, right? It's hard for this guy to beat Glorybringer oh, in a God. fair fight, okay? Yeah. So, like, if Glorybringer's just sitting there exerted and you, like, have an off turn to cast him, Glorybringer doesn't untap, and then you can cycle four times, God bless you, Well, but, right? but you know, you can set up situations where they Glorybring and then you're like, okay, you exert... Good news, cycle, like on one mana. Yeah. And now your glory bringer's a three three. Yeah. <laughs> but he could still kill your guy. Like not killing this guy. Yeah. Why not? He has only you, four toughness. And you're attacking with oh with your the glory bringer just does four. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It does well. It does three if you cycle. No, doesn't it always do four? Doesn't it always do four? Or does it do its power? I believe it does four. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, no, it deals four damage. Yeah. Never mind. I, I just assumed it was power. No, then it's just going to kill your guy. Yeah, yeah. That's like, <laughs> like, Glorybringer, like... <laughs> well, this card, all right, well, this card's going to ruin a lot of fun. Well, yeah, I mean, I th but the thing is, like I said, I think Archfiend of Ifnir is driven by context. Yeah. Right? Like, back, if you just dial back standard a little bit, there were many cases where dragons badly outclassed planeswalkers, right? So we're like, Dragonlord Kolagon, Dragonlord Ojitai, Dragonlord... Sometimes Dragonlord Dramaka... Oftentimes, Dragonlord Atarka. They were in different... You know, sometimes Dra Dragonlord Selimgar, right? Like, yeah. They would, in all their different ways... Whatever language you poop, poop on Planeswalkers, right? But then, with the same cards being legal, there were other contexts where the Planeswalkers had the advantage over the dragons. Right, right. Right, so that's, that doesn't seem like it's intuitive. But it happened, right? So I think, like, there will be times when 
Oh, by the way, Glorybringer's a great place to use failure to comply. Like, obviously, you'd like to essence scatter, but, like, if you're just looking to be fly, like, just to be like, nope. You, you don't get to cast that and attack my, my guy, oh, my yeah, Planeswalker, this turn. Now now time walk you on it. You totally, and, like, discombobulate their, their... their. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like, it gets anyone who's playing a tempo game like that, yeah. especially with Exert, I think it's probably uh, kind of a big deal. I feel like even though these are both rare, or even Mythic Rare, I don't remember, rare cards, I think that would be more exciting and limited than <laughs> Constructed. But I could totally imagine somebody destroying somebody else and limited with this combination, <laughs> right? And it would be sweet, right? Um, so let's see. I have some some cards that I think that are, are similarly themed to the ones that you picked, okay. right? So you named a couple of different green creatures that had, you know, varying kinds of utilitarian text, right? And and difficult to pronounce names. Yeah. I've got one that's maybe a little bit less... Serpapard. ...difficult to pronounce, but is of a similar casting cost to both of them. It's kind of in the middle of the okay. two. So you had one that's at 1GG and one that was 1G. Mangle Horn. Okay. It's two and a G for a beast, as you know. Oh, a best. I like bests. Yeah. It's a 2-2 two, two for three, which has, it's, it's just right in my wheelhouse, right? right? <laughs> Any text on it, two, two, three. oh, would you like to search for a basic land, Mr. Flores? I would. In fact, I will play as many copies of this card as are currently legal in the format. And in, a pilgrim's eye. In, in, in addition, <laughs> initial ones. Right, but it doesn't have that text. This guy is juiced. He's like, he is on... He is on the HGH, or the HBH, okay? No, wait. The GGH. The GHG. GH. Gamers helping gamers. gamers. Yeah. So he's a beast. He's a 2-2 for 3. He has the following text. When Manglehorn enters the battlefield, you may destroy target artifacts. You may destroy. It's already an upgrade over Utagi Aram. Yeah, yeah. Utabi Orangutan, which sometimes would ironically kill your own curse scroll. <laughs> all right, first of all, I got to stop you here for a second. Yeah. So I had a, there was a thing on Twitter today where someone's like, man, this card is just like a better Manic Vandal. And then someone else was like, you know, some of us old timers like to think of it as a better Viridian Shaman. And then I just chased them all away with my cane. Dude, there's sex monkeys to talk about. The monkeys- They are playing football! They are, they are playing football! All right, young players. Any of y'all who doesn't know what a Nuktabi orangutan look like, you know what? We'll have it on the Fetchland Instagram. Omaha! Omaha! They're playing football! <laughs> you tell me what is going on in this what picture else, from What Vision. else would he look? He's behind the other monkey. The other monkey's bent over. He's got his hands below the monkey's <laughs> hips. What else could that be other than playing football? Do you know, have you ever heard of bonobos? Omaha! Bonobos are like this kind of pants, but they're named after the most promiscuous creature, which is a kind of monkey, where they use sexual congress as a form of communication. Uh -huh. All right, so anyway. I talk to myself a lot. <laughs> Manglehorn has the ability, when Manglehorn enters the battlefield, you may destroy target artifact, which is already better than Utabi Orangutan, which sometimes would kill your own yeah, yeah. thing, right? Yeah. I've been playing in the throwback standard league on Magic Online. Oh, that must be sweet. And I've, I've got the survival deck, and yeah, we had there were some Utabi orangutan yeah. interactions. Now, artifact, and then it has an additional line of text. So yeah, I, I think know, this, this card would have been stupid without the second line of text. And by stupid, I mean I would play it, yeah, yeah. right? Artifacts your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. 
like that's just so aggro. <laughs> like, what did what did those artifacts do to deserve this? It's just like bring that artifact and all the rest of them forever. Yeah, take a look at the last Pro Tour. <laughs> artifacts are jerks. Look, man. What do you think about Manglehorn? Do you think that's going to find a place, I, I, yeah, I a like, place to play? I like I like Manglehorn quite a bit. All right, so I have some other cards that are thematically similar to your Archfiend of Ifnir. Okay. Here's one. I don't know if you thought that, that I would like this card. Curator of Mysteries. You seen this one? I haven't. I haven't. Two UU. Okay. For two a UU. four four flying blue creature. Ooh. Like that's already better <laughs> than cards I've played. <laughs> Okay? Yeah. It has more text. Whenever you cycle or discard another card, scry one. Ooh. Right? So it's like different from Archfiend of Ithnir. So how does, have, have, have you worked that out? How yeah. does that work out? So you cycle, cycle puts a trigger on the stack, you do the scry, then you draw the card. It turns like every cycling thing in your deck into an opt, okay? Oh my god. So that's insane. It's still... Have have played an embarrassing number of tournament level ops. Not done. Yeah, oh, wow, really? Cycling you. Cycling you. <laughs> this card is just insane, and I think you just play it in a bunch of different formats because it has cycling you. Like, I, I think there's a lot of decks that just don't even care about ever having a 4-4 player for 4. They're just like, oh, I'm just gonna have this insane card in my deck, which basically says you draw a card, right? Yeah. But, oh, I'm rando flooded in the middle of the game. 4-4 four, four flyer for four with UU open, you're dead. Right? Like, I think this like I, this card, I don't know if it's going to be great in standard or not. I feel like it's really high power level. Right? Yeah. So not sure. I think that it's probably going to be friends with cards like the, was it like the Drake Salvation? Well, that's the card I was going to ask you about, actually. That's funny. I have it, I have it right here. The uh, Drake Haven? Yeah, Drake Haven is, so... So that's the card, right? We've like as soon as you see ooh cycling, you're like waiting for your lightning rift or your astral slide. Right? Yeah, this one is this lightning rift and astral slide made sweet love. <laughs> I came up with a Drake Haven. Yeah, I think that's what it's happened. It's just the birds and the more birds. It's the story they told their kids. <laughs> well, so it's, it's so, so it's an enchantment. It's rare. Whenever you it's cycle two and a U, two and a U. So it has a similar astral casting slide. cost to astral yeah. slide. Whenever you cycle or discard a card, again yeah, discarding. Again, you may pay one. So that's the lightning. So it's like, like lightning rift. If you do create a 2-2 blue drake creature token with flying. All right, so basically... Which, by the way, means you, you can get instant speed 2-2. Like if you cycle your uh, your other drake there, you're, yep. you know, that, that turns into a... It's, it's really... This card's really interesting to me. I don't think this card is interesting at all. You don't think it's good? I think this card is... Stupidly good. Oh, okay. okay. For, for for the cost of one additional I, mana. And I thought, by the way, I I know you, that Drake Haven told Lightning Rift. Yeah. That he was the dad, but really the dad's bitter blossom. All right. So <laughs> let's 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 just do a, a thought experiment. The a, ability of a Lightning Rift is what shock, right? Yeah, yeah. Shock is properly costed at R. Yeah. Okay. What is the proper cost of a two-two flyer with no drawbacks? Uh, I mean. Historically, three mana, but it should be two. Uh, UG. Yeah, yeah, two. Uh, Gaia Skyfolk. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Gaia Skyfolk is the is the tournament playable. Yeah. Yeah. There's no three casting cost one with no. There's that just that's its only text. Yeah. And guys go so, its eff efficacy is literally a full colored mana better 
than that of the best card from Onslaught Block. So just to be clear, Lightning Rift is the best card in Onslaught Block. Yeah. It's a cross-format staple that dominated its own Pro Tour and won every Grand Prix. I, I, did not, okay. I didn't think you were going to like this card okay. that much. For the cost of one additional mana, you literally double the output of the most powerful card in a block that won the Pro Tour and all the Grand Prix that came after it. But wait, there's more. <laughs> wait, there's more. There's cycling lands. <laughs> wait, there's more. It's not even just that you cycle. You can have like fevered visions in this in the same deck and discard to hand size, okay? Yeah. Or you can cast or a cathartic axe, reunion or, or a lightning axe. Like this card is stupidly good. It's like, like it's hard for me to imagine. Like think about the context of this card. What's the best card in standard right now? Gideon, right? How does Gideon ever get through a Drake Haven? Okay. How about I either I take your Gideon once if I feel like it, and then I kill your Gideon, right? And I still have Drakes, or I just draw a card. I'm literally profiting whilst keeping your Gideon off of me. Or your Gideon's like, all right, your Drakes are gonna beat me up. I'm just gonna make two twos. Okay, I'll make two twos also. Mine fly, and by the way, kill your Gideon. And I drew three cards. Uh, I. I think this card is like substantially. I, I don't know if it'll be great. And I think I don't know how it's not going to be great in standard. It's like I'm just trying to sell, talk myself out this of this. Card, like, you're like this card's so good. I want to take a stand on it, but I will not. Like that's how good this card is. Like it just. I'm just thinking about this. Like I I I would have said that there are probably going to be decks that only win with Drakehaven, but I don't know why you wouldn't play with Curator of Mysteries. Right. Right. Well, like, I, but that's what I. But but it. Cycles for a blue, like of course you. Of play course it. you would play with it. Like cycling for a blue is already one of the best possible texts you could have on a card. It's challenged only by like cycling for white or cycling for black, because cycling for white or black allows you to take a card that was in your deck and turn it into a blue card, right? Like turning a card for one mana into a blue card is really really powerful. And so. And you know what else, Mike? You could gain six life. No, I would never gain six life. I would gain. <laughs> I would gain, You'd gain two, two life, life, two life, and make a Drake. Okay, what's better, a two-two flyer or four life? Right? Depends. Right? It's context. Context. Depends if someone's brain. The context you. of your life total. Depends if I have lethal damage on the stack. Right. So anyway, point being, I think that the world is going to. I just like you just lay a Drake Haven, right? Okay, think about this. Remember when? Andrew Cuneo made that deck that was Sphinx's tutelage. Yes. And people would just, in a format with cards like Siege Rhino and cards like Monastery Swift Spear, people were willing to tap out for uh, Sphinx's tutelage on turn three under the under the hopes that they would gain an advantage over time. This well, is so much more powerful than that for a very similar effect, right? Every time I draw a card, I mill you. How about every time I draw a card, I get a Gaius Skyfolk? Right, like how many how many cycling cards do you think you need to have in your deck to, to make that card viable? Um, I don't know. I don't know yet. Uh, if you go back and look at the Lightning Rift Astral Slide decks, maybe that will give us some guidance. Oh. I think that we're probably going to start with mana bases in the neighborhood of twenty seven or more lands. Uh, play eight of which will be cycling. Eight lands. of which are cycling lands. I think that's what we'll start with. Um, it depends if there's a colorless cycling land, right? I think like if there's a colorless cycling land that color that cycles for like. Just one mana. <laughs> Shoot, dude. Like I <laughs> peace out other strategies. Like what? 
seriously, like you go, it, let's say there's like a mediocre situation and you're just like, tap out for Drake Haven, untap, miss my land drop, go. Cycle for two, make a Drake. I might've just drawn into my land and I'm like advancing my board. And that's like a horrible situation. Like, I just did a rarity check on Drake Haven. It is rare, so yeah. it's probably pretty good. So, but the thing that I'm, I'm thinking is like, if you're just not mana screwed, you just hold off Gideon indefinitely and can kill it, right? That's the thing. Right. You just like cycle twice, Gideon's dead. Right? If you like untap your Drake Haven and play, they go Gideon, make a token, and you're like, one mana cycler, one mana cycler, attack, kill your Gideon. Yeah, and you drew two cards. Like it's it's so far and away more powerful than almost anything else I can think of. And here's the thing that's so stupid about that card. You make a bunch of drakes which could potentially force your opponent into like over committing to get past the drakes. Cause like, let's say you're playing with, I don't know, three ones and two ones and three twos, like some decks do. Which of those guys gets past your cantrip guy as Skyfolk? Because I literally spent two mana to play a two, two and draw a card, okay? Which of these guys gets past that? All right, let's start there. <laughs> all right, Thraven Inspector, how's he doing? Okay, so, all right, you just, all right, they, so, all right I have no choice. I got to super commit to the board, great. Got it. Fumigate. <laughs> okay. So like they overcommit to fumigate and then you get paid for the drakes you made. Right. Right? Or you could descend upon the sinful and have all kinds of cards in your graveyard because you have cycling enchantments. Right, you're certainly gonna have to lands. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so easy. Why would yeah. Right? Yeah. So or maybe you're just like the most boring dude in the entire room and all you did was cast radiant flames and have a bunch of mana open. <laughs> Right, like that would give you reason to play more different colors, to have more different cycling lands, to have more different kind of utility in your deck. I really think that Drake Haven is a very exciting card, and I think Curator of Mysteries is a differently exciting card. A, obviously, it, well, I think it's, it's friends. It's mostly exciting because it cycles cheaply for them. Well, yeah, I think any of these cards that cycle for one are insane. Can you play? Can you play that as a, a blue black? Like, like if you can combine your cycling effect, like you don't pay anything. For the effect of Archfiend of Ifnir. Yeah, I don't. <clears throat> I, I'm skeptical that I think Archfiend of Ifnir is friends with these guys. I think that like. Well, he cycles. I think these guys are like, like, you want to be Brian Weissman, okay? You're like, oh, this is here's like a, a five casting cost, pretty good flying creature. I think that there's a lot of situations where he makes sense in my strategy. I'm Adam Mason. It okay? Like, I'm too good to have creatures. <laughs> I, I I strive for a purity of of strategy. Right, but I, but I guess my purity is is adulterated by the presence of Curator of Mysteries, which I will always cycle yeah. for cast. I mean, you could cycle this, but like you you actually get like tr like can you imagine like cycling something, paying one extra, putting a minus one minus one counter on all your opponent's creatures, getting a flyer and drawing a card. Are you asking if I can imagine casting a cruel ultimatum and drawing three cards? <laughs> yes. I'm I just saying, like, that. it's a pretty compelling argument. Like, you don't ever have to cast this card if you don't want to. Yeah. So, do you think Esper is the best? Is there a good sweeper in black? I don't know if there's a sweeper I'd rather play than... Than Fumigate or Descend. Yeah, but I mean, what's great about it is I think that the shards have great mana. I mean, isn't, isn't there a... Um, there might be a minus two, minus two kind of card? There's there's uh, Playing Tendrils. There's which playing is, Tendrils. Is there, which is good against... Was there was there another one? Was there... This this is why I think maybe Esper's good. You actually have two in-color cycling lands. Yeah. And you're... The and, blue, white, and the black, blue. Yeah. yeah, and then your other your mana is otherwise really great. Like you get to use those lands to turn on. Uh, is it Port Town and what's the, what's the black blue one's name? Whatever. 
Uh, but you can turn them on, which is different than the than the battle lands, Sunken which ruins. yeah, which come into play tapped, no, right? So you get those. Those those are a bonus, and then um, you get uh, you get the the two three lifelink land if you want it, and then you get the black white um, uh, whatever comes into play on the, the, the inspiring vantage in black, whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah. But those are really compelling reasons to play Esper, right? Your mana base is way better than if you play Jeskai. Like, if you play Jeskai, you don't have half the lands I named. <laughs> and just having double, double time the cycling lands is really cool. And you could just cycle that guy. if you. I think that he's going to get cycled more often than he's going to get played. But I'm really excited by the prospect of doing that. And then your sideboard is probably great. Like, what if you decided to do it? just ruin people's new, new Gideon or old Gideon? Oh, I love new Gideon. <laughs> Gideon of the Trials, one WW for Planeswalker Gideon Loyalty, three, plus one, till end of turn, Kiara. Uh, actually, Kiora? Well, it's like, remember Kiara would be like, bubble, put a bubble around that part, you know, that permanent neither deals nor receives damage, except in this case, it's till your next turn, prevent all damage target permanent would deal. So you can also do it to your own permanents, like if you had a permanent that was going to hurt you? Yeah, I guess you could. Um, zero. Until end of turn, Gideon of the Trials becomes a four. Of course he does. Becomes Same a four-four human soldier creature with indestructible. That's still a planeswalker. Prevent all damage of dealt to him this turn. And then also zero. You get an emblem with, as long as you control a Gideon planeswalker, you can't lose the game and your opponent can't win the game. So, um, I think this card is sweet. I think the first ability, I love it so much because... It forces the opponent to play multiple cards against you, which just allows you to gain card advantage with the sweeper, right? Like, I think that a lot of the time, like, a really careful player can try to play against, you know, play against the man, not play yeah. against the board, right? And he's just like... I, I remember Andrew Cunio teaching me this, like, back in the day. He's just like, if you get this kind of card, you force your opponent to use a, a sweeper on it, right? Yeah. But, like, you know, now we're forcing somebody into playing two two threats, we automatically have the opportunity yeah. for card advantage, yeah. right? In, mo in modern, you could play a deck that's packed with cards. I mean, a deck full of packs. Yeah, and with the third ability. With, yeah, with the third ability, right. Yeah, you can't you can't actually lose the game. So you have just, like, packed of negation. Well, it's going to become, it's, like... It's a little more a complicated than that, right? So if you have the third ability, the third ability creates an emblem that makes Gideon into, like, a kind of a really weak quasi-platinum angel, sure. right? But, like, any Gideon that goes away means that you can now lose the game. So let's say for sake of argument, you had a trigger that was gonna make you lose the game, or you had like a hundred poison counters, or like you had yeah. negative life. If it's a state-based effect, yeah, you're, you're just gonna, gonna die. But right? if it's like a trigger, like a pact of negation. Yeah, the trigger will go off. The trigger right? goes off, you don't lose. Yeah. Go so on with the, go on with I, the I game. I think that, that the third ability on Gideon is gonna get, potentially make it popular in non-standard formats. Just because, like, I can just totally imagine this, like, playing my Boros deck and having Gideon in the sideboard, <laughs> and then, like, be, like, playing against Ad Nauseam, and then just being, like, you know, they're just, like, blah, 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 I'm doing my turn, like, all right, play Gideon and use the emblem. Like, attack you with my Eidolon. And they're, like, huh? I'm, like, yeah, you can't really win. Like, I, like what do you got? Like, we'll be at negative 100? <laughs> that's what, that's what my, Mike sees. He's, he looks at Gideon in the trials, and Mike's, like, huh? And then I'll, I'll take two damage from my Eidolon when I play it, but it won't matter because I make an emblem. Yeah, and then I'm just going to kill them with my freaking Gideon, right? He's like, if you look at the second ability, if you just added a card that was like no defense, right? This yeah. card is literally no defense. 
but its offense is 4-4 indestructible, that card is better than True Name Nemesis. For three? Yeah. <laughs> like, True Name Nemesis is like a 3-1 that can't be stopped on offense, no defense, right? True Name Nemesis is to everybody on defense. So it is Gideon. That card is like considered to be a stupid magic card, right? Gideon is a, is I I don't know it's not it's not better in every situation. It's pretty better than True Name it's, Nemesis. It's not going to displace Gideon Ally of Zendikar in standard. standard while they're both there oh, at the man, same time. Gonna, I think they're going to be buddies. Just like I mean, I played seven Jaces starting <laughs> when when I could play H and I had the eighth Jace in my sideboard and I had Aces ingenuity in my side. It's a pretty, co- it's a pretty compelling reason for Drakehaven, actually, because you can just keep flying yeah. over and killing remember, all the Gideons. Do you remember when I when I had Jace's ingenuity in my sideboard? <laughs> I remember I was playing in the top sixteen of that of the of the five k that I won, and I was playing the I was playing the uh, the Splinterton Mirror. So he like he won the role or whatever. I think he had like better position or whatever. Because so he went first. He killed me on turn four in game one. He just went for the combo and killed me. Right? I didn't have the, the response. He got me right. All right, that's a lie. I think I tapped out for an Inferno Titan because I knew I was dead. Whatever, he killed me. So t- game two, I just like did nothing, did nothing, did nothing. On turn five, I'm like, end of your turn, catch Jason's ingenuity. He looks at me, he goes, <laughs> shakes his head. And then, like after the match, I'm like, why'd you do that? He's like, I knew I had lost. <laughs> you catch ingenuity. Like, he said, I had no cards like that in my deck. <laughs> like if I don't jam the combo, I'm dead. Anyway, point being, I had seven Jaces starting, eighth Jace in my sideboard, and Jace's ingenuity. You think I wouldn't play eight Gideons? <laughs> One of the abilities on that card is if you have a Gideon in play, you can't lose. <laughs> That's true. Okay. That, is, that is an argument to have more Gideons. Here's the other thing. Gideon 4, his crusade ability, puts him in the graveyard. So it actually gives you an incentive to like just keep... Oh, you can, you, you can, you can kill him easily so as you don't get stuck on Gideon. Yeah, you can just like sacrifice this Gideon play another Gideon and still have a Gideon in play, right? Because right. yeah, I'm yeah. going to have redundant Gideons if I draw cards. Right. Like, so I think that's a deck. I think this card is great. Um, I think it's extraordinarily exciting. I think that three casting cost Planeswalkers for the most part, the only thing that's kept them not stupid is their inability to protect themselves. Like, Jace Bellerin was like an insane card and couldn't protect itself, right? Liliana has sometimes been, like both of the three well, casting Both, both Liliana see a, see a lot of play, see cross, play in modern. Cross format uh, staples, in large part because they're good at killing opponent creatures, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Sometimes with value. This card has one of the best protect yourself clauses in the history of any Planeswalker and has two other abilities, one of which is just better than a format defining offensive creature at three. Like, and then there's the Platinum Angel Clause. There are decks that can't kill a Planeswalker. Yeah, that's... Right, like... <laughs> you're going to have to make that a part. But I, I, but again, at, at instant speed, people are always going to be able to cast out a Planeswalker. It's a, I mean, it depends on the decks, right? Like, I don't think that the third ability is going to be that good in Standard, because in Standard, people just attack with creatures, right? Right. Every single deck, even, like, the combo deck that we have, attacks you with a hundred, or, I don't know, a million Felidar, uh, Felidar Guardians, right, right? right? Or, in its off turn, it could just, like, nug you with Chandras or whatever, yeah. right? It's, it's, they have conventional ways of dealing damage that can remove Gideon from play. But there are other formats where people are like, okay, I'm going to just make you run out of cards, or I'm going to make you... You know, how, how do you protect your Drakehaven from cast out? Now, now I'm just I'm just on Drakehaven now. Yeah. How do you protect your Drakehaven from cast out? Yeah. How about you destroy the cast out? Okay. Cast out is permanent. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, why, what if I? I mean, do you think it's possible I would have the card cast out in my deck that wants to cycle for one mana? Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. So how about I just oh, cast wait. out your cast? We're out? definitely gonna have four of those. Yeah. 
That's true. My main deck has four ways to stop the two castouts in your deck. I think I'm you, okay. You, uh, first of all, do you honestly believe that you're not going to go into standard with any deck that has access to white mana? And again, white mana becomes very accessible with the presence of the of the new cycling dual lands. And not have cast and not out. have four castouts. I mean, cast out is good against Archangel Avacyn. It's good against Sorin. It's great against Ulamog. Yeah. Like, Ulamog sucks now, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I mean it's all right, but. I mean, used to be if you landed in Ulamog, you pretty much always won. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our problem was we would always have the Ulamogs in our hand and never <laughs> the in play. Ulamogan, yes. Okay, right? So now they're just like, Ulamog, ah, oh, gets two permanents. Like, nice plow on here. <laughs> <laughs> Get your Ulamog at instant speed. Like, literally, it's just a Plowunder. And Plowunders are good. They're not know. 10 mana good. Yeah. <laughs> They're not, I built my entire strategy to deal with this thing good. Right? Like, ooh, a mulligan. What, what do you think about As Foretold? Just talking about cards that people have been talking about for modern. So, As Foretold is a, a three casting cost enchantment. Two, for two you, blue. Yep. yep. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a time counter on As Foretold once each turn. Uh, you may pay zero rather than pay the mana cost for a spell you cast with converted mana cost X or less, where X is the number of time counters on as foretold. So you play this and you immediately Ancestral Visions. You can just cast it. You can just cast Ancestral Visions for free. But then it becomes like a weird Aether Mile, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, theoretically, you could just let it sit there for seven turns, cast Cruel Ultimatum with all your mana up so I think on turn it, 10. Yeah, I hate, I hate doing this all the time. This is like the old... Seriously, Vegeta. You remember that story of Seriously, Vegeta? Uh, I want to play Volcanic Hammers, and Patrick Sullivan wants to play Lean and Sky Sky Knights. Is that the name of it? Yeah. White, white for a yeah. two flying cat. Yeah. Oh, it's, you know, speaking of uh, that, uh, what the fair cost is, right? Yeah. And so we're like, like ah, I want to play Volcanic Hammers. Shut up, Mike. You're stupid. I want to play Lean and Lean and Sky Knight. Is that his name? Yeah, I think that's, that's what seems wrong. Okay, I'm gonna play Lean and Sky Knight, and we're like arguing. Play we're like Sky Cub. But we're like good friends and stuff, and we both love to play Boros attack decks, and we hate each other over this point. And we're like, I know. And then we like rush over to where Siyoshi is. Siyoshi's just like sitting here, like with a Fu Manchu beard and long, long, uh, you know, mustachios like twirling up. Not really, but in the story he is, right? So, so we're like, Musta, I want to play Volcanic Hammer. This miscreant wants to play Lean and Sky Cub. And then he like makes his case, right? He's like, it's like, ah, the Sky Cub deals damage. Mike wants to play his stupid, terrible, not incinerate, not lightning bolt, right? Like, and then like Siyoshi looks at it, he's like, oh, this is a, quite a dilemma for the Boros Ages, I agree. He's like nodding his head. And then he just starts to, to stroke his Fu Manchu beard. He didn't really have one, but then the story is. Um, and he looks up and he goes, I have an answer. We're like, what is it, Master? Depends on the metagame. <laughs> Depends on the metagame? That was not a satisfying answer. Yeah, no. Not, not a very satisfying story either, so you did it justice. Um, so you, you don't like this card? Depends on the metagame. <laughs> Dude, um, I think we've talked about a lot of magic. I think we... <laughs> <laughs> we have to you do. Get, you get I mean, a little itchy. We have to do other things, or people are gonna, <laughs> people are going to think they're on the wrong podcast. I'm just excited about Drakehaven now. You got you talked me into it. 
I mean, you know, Tristan Thompson busted his thumb two nights ago beating Orlando by 20. I didn't know that. His hand was... Basketball season's over. I don't know what you're watching, but... His, his thumb was so swollen they couldn't even get a brace on it. I don't know. I hope he's not... Although JR apparently can shoot again. Yeah. So JR can shoot again. Corver's back. Why are you shaking your head, man? I just want to talk about Jacob DeGrom's slider and Matt Harvey's fastball and Noah Syndergaard's changeup. I can talk about Matt Hardy. Hardy Brothers <laughs> came back at WrestleMania. <laughs> it was a surprise to everyone. Hardy Brothers had not been on WWE television for nine years. We could, we could talk about Iron Fist instead. Okay. It wasn't good. It wasn't as bad as people say. It just wasn't good. It, it just... It was... He was... He was... There are a lot of problems. He was fine at best. Okay. Here's he, was, he was about Daredevil. I, th- I think the guy who plays Daredevil is terrible as Daredevil. So I think this was... I think he was about par. But you loved Affleck as Daredevil, as I recall. No. The only super close thing close to a superhero movie I loved Affleck in was Hollywoodland, where he played George Reeves, the actor who portrayed Superman... On the original TV show. Okay. That's so, the only thing I've liked Affleck in comic book related. Here's the thing about Iron Fist. Did not like him as... The, I might like Iron Fist more I might have liked him as Murdoch, though. But. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. He's a good Murdoch, I thought. I like Iron Fist maybe more than Luke Cage. I'm not sure. I like Luke Cage and Iron Fist I a like lot. I like Luke Cage a lot. No, no, I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about oh, the character. Oh, okay. 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 So, I love Luke Cage. I think that they're not going to treat Luke Cage in the Netflix Marvel Cinematic Universe in a way that's respectful of the Luke Cage I love, so I just kind of have to put that off to the side. Um, but but I guess there's like so many, it's like Batman. Like, Is Batman the Cape Crusader? Is Batman the world's greatest detective? Is Batman the world's most formidable man? Is Batman like this lunatic who never got over his parents? Like, you know, is yes. Batman a rich guy? Does Batman have so much money he can make uh, a satellite from a line item? Is Batman gonna get caught by a lawyer? Like, all of these stories are true, right? Because Batman's an urban legend. I think that like, Cage and Iron Fist have a little bit of that going on with them because they've been so differently interpreted by different writers, sure, right? Sure. So, I think they did a good job of capturing that element on the in the show with Luke Cage. So, so like where he where he just sort of took on a he took on a mythic status within his community. Yeah. on the show, I thought they did a really good job of that. He's like, I think that on his show, he's such a different character than he is in Jessica Jones, which I thought that was really interesting because yeah. they weren't inconsistent with each other, but they were very different. Yeah. I almost, this might sound weird, I almost feel like Luke Cage in the Luke Cage TV show is like super Barack Obama. Like that, like if you were like, if you made Barack Obama a superhero, that he would be, he would be Luke Cage, right? Like he's like a super community organizer. You know what I mean? Like that, that like, he's just doing this thing for the, the for the people around him and. Well, eventually, I think he had to get there though. I think that was sort of yeah, part of the story. Yeah, he's a hero's journey. Um, but the thing that I didn't like about Iron Fist is all interpretations of Iron Fist are consistent on, on this point, which is that Danny Rand is basically the best pure fighter the human race has ever created. Show did not do a good job okay. of conveying that. <laughs> like, so, like, like, uh, and, and I was talking to, like, I put this thing on Twitter, but I don't think people really understood it. Like, some people, like, predictable people like Matt Wang favored it, right? And, but, like, I think most people don't understand it. I was just like, if you're going to rate the fighters in the Marvel Universe, right, I have them in this order. Shang-Chi, then Danny Rand, then Karnak, okay? Okay. Right, you know, Karnak uh, from the Inhuman Royal Family. Yeah, right? yeah. So, Bella, my daughter, argues that you can't really put Karnak in the same pile, like he's an Inhuman, 
And well, once you introduce like superpowers. Well, and... he's well, Karnak has never been exposed to the church and missed. That's the thing. Okay. Like he's actually just pure skill, and and but he just does these things that like someone who's just pure skill shouldn't be able to do. Uh, but anyways, put that off to the side. If there's a question between Shang Chi and Danny Rand, like. Shang-Chi goes on an Avengers mission and he just beats an entire installation of Hydra soldiers by himself. Like, and then gets mad at Captain America because he's like, you just want me to beat up guys, right? Like, but he beats up like all the Hydra soldiers in the entire installation by himself effortlessly, right? And Danny's better than him, right? Because I, I think that if you, if you like do it, it's just like Danny is him, but then also has the chi to make the fist. Like the, and I think they really underrated the strength of the fist. In the comics, the fist is equivalent to like a nuclear explosion. That's how powerful right. it is. And they made it like, oh, it will break an axe if it's well positioned. They, they, they definitely tried to localize the powers uh, of the characters on the show. But it's in, in the same universe as Thor. Like it, they yeah, talk but, about but the they've, but they've tried. To, but they've tried to make these characters have much more local. Like, I don't know if believable is the right word, but you know. Um, yeah, they, they, they've clearly taken a smaller approach to the to the to the character. I think it's fine to I think it's fine to tell grand stories with otherwise. Like, I think one of the things that Cage does well in like Brian Michael Bendis comics is that even though he's thought of generally speaking as like this street level superhero, like hero for hire type character, yeah. in when Bendis writes the Avengers, he's he's capable of leading these great right. heroes on grand adventures across well, the multiverse. What do, you, what do you think of my idea? My idea is instead of they shouldn't have done Iron Fist yeah. as that show, and they should have actually just done Daughters of the Dragon, and the show should have been Colleen Wing and Misty Knight from Luke Cage. Yeah, they could still do that. But that should have been the next show, and then just have fucking Iron Fist be the backup character, and then no one gives a crap about whitewashing. No one gives a crap about how bad he is as an actor. He just maybe it's so not even here. maybe you actually get to because the guy who played the drunken master. Yeah was supposed to be, was the director's, the showrunner's choice for Iron Fist. Well, why did they choose the kid from The Reach? Because they wanted the kid from The Reach, I don't know. I, I think he's not a good Iron Fist on so many on so many vectors, we right? He trained for like a month, dude. <laughs> I mean, like, A, like, the, this is the thing, like. Like, when we were kids, we would argue about whether or not Chuck Norris was talented enough <coughs> to play Iron Fist. Like, is he a good enough martial artist to play Iron Fist? I mean, like the the way that I look at it is, and the answer is probably not. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like when you were a kid, Chuck Norris was like young enough that I'm just like ah, the Chuck Norris who fought against Bruce Lee. No, no. Okay. So like, that, so this is the. I think that. Yeah, there's, by the way, that fight that was like when we were kids, we were like you would you would imagine that that was Shang Chi and Iron Fist. That was the apex of cinematic fights back yeah. in the day. I remember yeah. seeing it. Yeah. All right. So. If you if you go back and Shang Chi wins, I guess, right? So, because it's in Shang Chi's book. If it had been an Iron Fist book, Iron Fist would have won. You know, so, um, I never got over that. Like, you remember when the when the, the thing was like super like spiky because he got like extra cosmic rays. Yeah. When that thing lost to the Gray Hulk, it made no sense. The Gray Hulk was like, like. Like regular Ben Grimm, like nobody really thinks Ben Grimm can beat the Hulk, the Green Hulk. But sometimes, you know, you just—he was like always great at like holding his own against him. Yeah. But now you power up Ben Grimm and power down the Hulk, and the Gray Hulk wins. I'm just like it's just because it was in the Hulk. But if it had been in Fantastic Four, Thing would have won. Like that's just bad writing. You, you should definitely be betting on these fights because you clearly have a great <laughs> handicapping system. Anyway, you shared this with Zvi. I mean, <laughs> all right. Anyway, to get back to this, like a, I can. 
I think he's too small, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, and I don't think that Iron Fist has to be as big as Thor, but, like, the, all the Marvel shows are supposed to be about these, like, even Paul Rudd. They get Paul Rudd into good enough shape that he does a bunch of shirtless scenes in Ant-Man so that the girls swoon, right? And I'm like, oh, wife, what do you think about Paul Rudd and Ant-Man? Oh, I like it, right? <laughs> oh, I like Paul Rudd. He's, he's funny. <laughs> and also ripped in this, in this movie, he's ripped. Okay, like, he probably went back to being regular Paul Rudd eating cheeseburgers five minutes after he had to do that scene. He's like, oh, thank God, we're done filming that scene. I can eat, you know. But, like, that's what the Marvel Universe is about. I mean, they never made Cumberbatch do it, right? <laughs> like, you know, Cumberbatch has other things going on. But, uh... I did not... I, we talked about this, right? I, I didn't care for that movie. I don't think we talked about Doctor Strange. I, I don't remember. I did not care but, for Doctor but anyway, Strange at all. But my point is, like... If the whole thing is this character's got no shirt on so you can see his Shaolong the Undying tattoo, he has... He, he, he should be Bruce Lee ripped. He doesn't have yeah, to be like, big, yeah, he but he should be Bruce Lee he, ripped. Yes, you, he has to convey a sense that his body is at a different a level. A weapon? Yeah, like, you're like, oh, I'm a living weapon. Dude, you can barely beat the two <laughs> Russian thugs, right? Like, like, what? Like, and then they, they're making rules? Like... Are you kidding me? I would have... First of all, I would have... If, if they're going to do the show, I, I would have liked the whole series to just be episode six. Which one is episode six? Episode six is the one where he has to fight through the gauntlet of... of well, like of, the, the game of, of death the, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That should have been the whole show. Should have been like... He's like, I'm coming for you. Don't give me any exposition. Don't give me any stupid Meachums. Don't, even I like Warden the girl Meacham. I like, I like Ward Meacham, actually. I yeah, he's, he's from Banshee. He's from Banshee. You know, I, it's interesting, because I totally ended up liking Ward Meacham, and I hate... I mean, I think you, they're supposed to make you... Yeah. You hate Ward, and then you like Ward at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so I, that, but yeah. I, I liked her throughout. Yeah, I liked her but as well. I but I think that, like... But I don't need that storyline. The turn line. they have at the end with Davos doesn't make... But I don't know. Who knows what she's going to do in season two, right? But, like, it just doesn't really seem... She's, like, too nice of a person, you know? Like, I just don't get the context. Yeah. Like, what did Danny really do to her, other than save her life? Okay, multiple times. Anyway, separately, uh, but he's not, he's just not imposing enough. Yeah. I and agree. the thing is, the studio that produced that hallway scene in the second episode of Daredevil season one, that's the bar, okay? Yeah. And if, like, that is now the bar. You did this to yourself, yeah. okay? If you set this as the bar, look, Danny's not, he's not a lawyer, yeah. he doesn't have extrasensory powers. His job is you put him in a fight with anyone and he wins. Like, he, and couldn't they have given us a little wire work on those fights? Couldn't they have given us a little like uh, a little something? Like, I the fights think, are just dull. I think that the like, fights are just dull. They, like in the comic books, they just don't position Danny in a position where he's fighting Thor or he's fighting Hulk. Sure. But you're supposed to be in a situation where you're thinking like, okay, if like if like this omega class level bad guy or good guy turns bad, that the the def- like, the defender of the capital city of heaven should be able. Like, I, I think you're supposed to think like he could punch the Here's, Hulk and the Hulk would care. I, I, I think. I also think he could use the Hulk's momentum against him like, in such a way that like it's like okay, you guys run. Yeah. I'm gonna stall the Hulk. Like, like he could just keep the like Hulk if fighting. He summons the fi- like like the fist has the explosion of a nuclear bomb. Right. <laughs> like it's not like oh that's just gonna make him stronger. <laughs> In context, yeah, this is a problem, right? <laughs> but like, he's like he's supposed to be so good that he beat a dragon, 
an immortal dragon tore open its chest and plunged his fists into its still beating heart. Yeah. Okay, right? Like, that's how good at fighting he's supposed to be. He's not supposed Allegedly, to be. Allegedly, <laughs> we can't actually see that on a TV show. <laughs> so, like, that's it. I don't know. We just get to see like some sort of eyes. like some sort of like carnival dragon <laughs> snort in a like a funhouse ride. That's that's all we can afford. Okay. We blew it all in the hallway scene in Daredevil. We've got nothing left. So like he could he just tells you this. He's just like, oh, I gotta fight in this tournament. All right. Oh, Danny, it's interesting. I'm the Iron Fist, dude. Don't worry, I never lose. <laughs> dude, you, I, I feel like I could have beaten him. <laughs> just like get him with a shoulder tackle, knock him down. <laughs> like I'm kind of heavy, hold him down. <laughs> I got you, Danny Brand. You know, I should never feel I that way. Took a Krav Maga class. <laughs> I should never feel that way, okay? And it doesn't matter if it's true. If I'm thinking it, they're not doing a good job telling the story. I agree. Okay? But I don't think it's as bad as people said. But here's the other thing. His stupid floppy hair, right? Like, like give the dude a haircut. It's fine when he's homeless to let him have that haircut. Sure. He's a billionaire, okay? Like, why do they dress him like a clown? She's like, oh, I'm going to... It's It's not that he's a billionaire. He's not... He's not Accessorized like a TV billionaire, he's accessorized as a child cosplaying as a TV billionaire. He's like, I hate to say he's like Trump, but like there's this like John Mulaney thing. He's like, where Trump came out and he's just like, what is like a homeless Monopoly fan's idea of what a billionaire should be? Like, oh, I'm just gonna write my name on buildings. Like, that's how I'm gonna show people how rich I am. I'm just gonna write my name on buildings and have a ridiculous haircut. Okay, like, I'm like, Wow, and this is you know years before he became yeah. president of the yeah. John Wayne. And I was just like, that's how they dress Danny Rand. Just like, you know, I'm gonna wear sneakers. Sneakers. That's how we do it. He doesn't wear a tie, but he does wear sneakers, and they're white, which indicates that if they ever got dirty, he would just buy another pair. <laughs> that's how we tell the audience he's rich. It's he's just cosplaying, yeah. but a child's concept of a, of, I, of a I, TV player. I, I, the, the things I liked about that show had little to do with him. I like the Colleen Wing stuff actually. I would have I would have liked I would have I would have She's from Game of Thrones too, right? Yeah, yeah, she's she like she one, of one of the, the sand snakes. snakes. Yeah. I would much rather have seen her, her and Misty. I think she she's very badly developed personally. I think Well, it would you know what would have fixed that? Arc doesn't you know make what would that have fixed that? 10 episodes <laughs> focusing on on her and Misty. They could just do that still. I think of course they can, but I would have been I think it would have been better to lead with that. So if you do that Cuz I th- I think to the to the the number of people who know or give a poop about, about Iron, Iron Fist, Fist is, is me. Is, no one knows. Is, is so infinitesimal. And all of those people who know who Iron Fist is also know who Daughters of the Dragon are. So here, here's a question. No, I like Iron Fist from being an Avengers fan and then like being like a David Aha fan or a Matt Fraction fan. Not really from being like a 70s Heroes for Hire oh. fan. But would, 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 is Anthony Mackie a big star or is he just like an okay star? Uh, Falcon? Yeah, like in real life, I, I, would, big say, star. I would say he's like a B star. But like, would he do a would he do like a Netflix show and not like get mad about it? Like, is he? I, a big, I think his people would get mad. Maybe I think his people would get mad. He should. Though. Why not? Because I'm just thinking like, you want a Falcon TV show? I think there'd be a cool TV show where it's the lead is daughter's the dragon. Falcon's a co-star who's like stooping. Misty Knight, like just on the side, and like he's doing his superhero thing. Is it Misty? Is it? No, she's with Falcon in the comics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Falcon is apparently Captain America. Excuse me. Yeah. Sam Wilson, Captain America, is concurrently with Girl Thor, and apparently because Shield stole Jane Foster's 
cell phone because they're trying to prove that she's Thor. And they say that there's like a bunch of dirty text between Captain America and Jane Foster. And they're like, she's a cancer patient. Only makes sense if she's Thor, right? And that like, he's very uh, like with Misty, like in Harlem, like when they're, they hang out and yeah. she helps him on stuff and you know, whatever. But I think like, it would be cool. I think like, if it's like Danny's in the background, Falcon's like, but I, do they make it so that Luke is with Misty? I don't remember. No, Luke was gonna get with with Rosario Dawson at the end, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he got with Misty early, and then he was with. But then, Rosario. because in the I think, but in the comics right now, Misty's with Falcon, right? I guess. Right. Uh, and then, I guess. I don't it, need to read the comics anymore. I got TV shows. So is Danny long term end up with Colleen? Colleen? No, right? They're just in and out of each other's lives. I think they're yeah. I mean, I think it's like long term. Long term on the long-term side. Long term comic thing. Because I, I think Danny's like also because I think that they. I, in the last Iron Fist uh, comic that I read, I think Danny was with, I think, I think like two comics ago, he was with Misty, actually. Oh. And then he was just with some model yeah. right, recently. Yeah. Um, but they like Carrie Andrews to it. I was really like excited because it's Carrie Andrews yeah. and it was like not that good. But here's the thing. I was expecting it to be like, like all the shows have been so different, right? Yeah. So I know you don't like Daredevil. I love Luke Cage. I think I Luke, Cage Luke Cage is I so love Jessica Jones. perfectly choreographed as like a bulletproof, uh, bulletproof superhero. Jessica Jones is very different, right? It's like kind of a detective show. It's also it's like it's very Veronica Mars, right? Because it's a show about overcoming a particular kind of grief and also a detective show. But she happens to be a superhero. Yeah. Um, so they're also different. I thought they were gonna make Iron Fist into like a kung fu epic. Yeah. Right. Like that was what they were signaling, and instead it's just like this weird an, an, Batman. A like, not great episode of Bat Arrow. Yeah, it's like bad Batman, right? Yeah. Like, it's... Like, I guess I didn't like... I mean, yeah. like, I'm saying I didn't dislike it that much, but I haven't said, like, a single <laughs> decently positive thing about it. Like, I think the fight scenes are pretty boring. I like I like Drunken Master fight scene. I thought that one was boring. It's a, it's I thought he was... But he was doing a good job. If you had a really good Drunken Master fight scene, it would have been better, right? right. Like, well, he did a good job. I mean, he was... You know, should have kicked his opponent's ass, but... So... Yeah, but I thought... You know what I didn't like? I thought the lighting was really bad. Yeah. Like, like they get so many things right. I They got so many things wrong in this show. Like, that scene should have been lit better, right? They're like... I know, guys. Also, Let's do also, an outside scene and then just have the sunlight. I be. also had a hard time with Staten Island as China. <laughs> but, like, but they're just like, let's just use the natural light of the sun <laughs> to light all of our scenes and just have them in the middle of the street. That's just the light on Staten Island, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, but like... Like, the, these problems were solved in the 70s yeah. by, like, Barry Lyndon. Like, how do they get this... How do you get this wrong in 2017? They must have huge budgets, right? Like, you're like, no one ever heard of, like, shade. <laughs> like, like, just direct sunlight. That's just how we're going to film all of our scenes. I don't know. Um, yeah, like, I thought Colleen was okay. I thought that the I thought the twist was actually good. Do, I, do, I, don't, yeah. What did you I thought Davos was cool, but then I, I didn't know how to feel about him. I, I actually, I liked Ward. I liked... I liked her. I really liked her. I thought she's very... It's just going to sound stupid, right? But I thought she was, like, really pretty. And she's a character... An actress who I don't know. But, like, she's not, like, just so obvious. Like, I hate... Like, you watch all these shows, like, that have actresses of her... Like, I hate to say, like, her stripe. Like, I'm, like, just... 
categorizing like all these actresses the same way, but they're like also obvious, like any girl on Riverdale. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're just so obvious. Okay, have there been new episodes? I have to catch up on that. Uh, to me, there's been new. I, I'm not fully through, yeah. so it's probably been new episodes to me. But do you see what I'm saying? Or like most of the girls on Arrow. Okay, they're like <laughs> so obvious. You're like you're just looking at me like oh. A beautiful woman. <laughs> That's the character she's playing, right? She's like a little, you know, she's like a little off, right? Like, if you looked at her, you're like, oh, yes, this is a beautiful woman. But she also has the following 16 ca uh, qualities that make her interesting to the role she's playing, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I thought she was very good. Versus if you look at the girls on Riverdale and then just, like, change their hair color, any of them could be playing each other. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Right? Or Gossip Girl. Or, sure. Other than maybe two characters on Gossip Girl. Like, they're just so interchangeable. I, I think the actresses who do Betty and Veronica on Riverdale actually do a pretty good job of inhabiting... Are you saying Betty couldn't play Veronica and Veronica couldn't play Betty? Yeah, I don't think so. No? All right. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Is it because, like, one of them... I, I don't remember this. No, are you sure? No, I'm not sure. But, I mean, you know. Because I think they do a, I think they do a, a, a good job with the, the archetype. The reason I situation. think this is, like, the you know the Bad Girl episode where, like, where Betty has, like, the black wig and then they're tricking, like, yeah, the, yeah. like yeah. the slut-shaming football player yeah, into, like, yeah. a fake three-way? Yeah. Yep. I think it's pretty clear that they could play each other's character based on that episode. <laughs> As they are playing each other right. to the point where one of them has black hair, who's normally blonde, right? So I think that, like, I just really think they're interchangeable. And I, like, versus Banshee, right? No one would ever say that those those characters are interchangeable. Sure. How good? How good would Riverdale have been if they just so all the actors who play their parents just play the Archie characters <laughs> at their current age, yeah. and it's just like Riverdale thirty years later, and it's just like Desperate Housewives. Yeah. <laughs> But with the Archie characters. I and think Riverdale's plenty good the way it is. Yeah, I'm happy with it. I'm enjoying it. Um, so what other shows are... Uh, so what's coming out soon? The Americans is back. I am so far behind. I didn't watch the second half of last season. And it's... You know what's killing me? Expanse new episodes are all off sci-fi on demand. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's only like the most recent episode. What am I supposed to do? I haven't seen any of them yet. Come over my house. Come over, spend a day, we'll catch up. Expanse is so good. John paid for it. Maybe <laughs> he actually he paid money. Why it's, would you do that? It's so good. Yeah, it's worth it. It's better than season one. Yeah, it is better. That's than what season I heard. One. It's like it's so dense. Like like I've had multiple episodes where I'm like watching it while I'm drafting. Yeah, and I get to the end and I'm like, God damn it! And I just started over again. Last year when I watched the Expanse season one, I actually did. You watch all of the, like this is what this episode is about. No, I I actually think. Maybe if you want to, you can go back and watch it with the, this is what this episode's about yeah. by the producers. And well, the thing that was weird to me was I went yeah. back and I watched um, one of them. And I think it was like episode five or six, which is like the climactic fight scene where the who end up being the heroes get their ship, right? Yeah. Uh, and they're like, this is the big scene of the season. This is like, and then that's what the producers are saying. And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I guess I was motoing too hard. <laughs> It's like, I don't know, like, I guess there was a fight. Yeah, yeah, no, I did that. It was, like, the last episode. I, like, watched it. I'm like, oh, I watched the last episode. I go to watch the next episode. Yeah. And I'm like, they're like, last week on The Expanse. And I'm like, oh, crap. I got to go back. And I watched it while drafting, and nothing sunk in. Oh, I, yeah. missed, yeah. I missed major plot points. I had to go back and watch the whole thing over again. That's the problem with it. We just live with all these different screens, yeah. right? Like, yeah. even a few years There's ago. There's a couple shows. Like, I, I just started watching Legion. I haven't watched any Legion. It's great. Yeah, so it's like, I love Fargo, right? It's, so it's Fargo with X-Men, right? 
No, it's it's really different. It's great. Like all the acting's on it. On it's great. The guy who plays uh, Dan Stevens is just so unbelievable. I, I, love, I love what's her name. Aubrey uh, Plaza from uh, yeah from Parks and Rec. Aubrey and Plaza's great. The, so I love her. I think she's she's fantastic. In in a, in a she here's that's another person who's like she's gorgeous and it's like the twentieth thing you would say about her. Sure. Right, like that's and first thing, thing you said, but yeah, that's fair. No, 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 no. That's my whole point, <laughs> right? Know, like, and the thing that's is, like, easy. she's not just regular gorgeous; she's a ten, and it's the twentieth thing you would say about her. She has so many unique, interesting yeah. qualities. Like, she's terrific, and she's terrific on this. She'll, she, she'll she love her. plays with so much range, like, and like, you're like, oh, you run through all the things that's great about. She's funny. She's sardonic. She's like, she 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 can like do a bunch of different things. She's done so many different kinds of roles effectively, including like Grumpy Cat, <laughs> right? So, and you're like, and you're like, oh wait, she's she's a she's not like regular pretty. <laughs> she's like top top to the right pretty, and you didn't even notice because she had so many other great qualities. Yeah. Like that that's you, you know what I'm saying? Like I that's you. like. I like. I mean, I don't think Girl Ward Meacham has that. <laughs> I know she's out with plus, but she's more interesting to me than than like these interchangeable pretty actresses. There, there's there's three shows right now on TV that I watch and I cannot do anything else, and it's really interfering with my ability to watch TV because I need to do three right, things. These are Brian's three I need recommendations. To, I need to do three things to be able to watch TV. Yeah. And like to, to watch the amount of TV I want to watch, I need to be able to do other stuff. Okay. And these are the three shows. That Here I literally sh- shut my computer, turn off Magic Online, shut off my phone. Okay. The Americans, largely because of subtitles. <laughs> yeah, you can't, yeah, but, it's but, hard to absorb if but, you're... But with motoring. the Americans, so much of the nuance of the Americans is the acting where they're not talking. Okay. But the Americans. Yeah. The Expanse. Yeah. And Legion. Okay, well, so I haven't watched And then Fargo when it comes on in a couple weeks. I mean, I, Carrie Russell is such another example, right? Who would have thought with Carrie Russell when they built an entire brand around her 20 years ago? They yeah. built an entire brand. Not only did they build an entire brand, but they built an entire so movement of hair. Not just haircut. They had a movement of hair around, around Carrie Russell. So ridiculously good. Who would have said, tell you what, Give Carrie Russell 20 years, and then she'll be really hot. What I think is the, funny, the funniest thing about Carrie Russell is... And, like, is the best actress on television. J.J. Abrams is like, man, this episode of Felicity would be so much easier to write if Felicity had a gun. So he created Alias. Alias, yeah. And now Felicity just has a, a gun. gun. <laughs> well, she well, doesn't need a gun. She can just kill you with her bare hands. Well, the thing that, or she'll take your knife away from you and stick it in your throat. Yeah, but the thing is, like, who would, when Carrie Russell was first a huge TV star... Not like a regular, like, think, built this whole thing around her. Who would have thought she would have got a hotter 20 years in the future? And also an amazing actress. Not like a good actress. I want to believe men and women get hotter as they get older. I think that some do. It's clearly the case that some of them Thank do. Thank you. Right? <laughs> Robin Wright. Dude, 50 year old Robin I've, Wright. I've, man. Loved, I've loved Robin Wright at every stage of her yeah, career. I mean, 20 year old Robin Wright's great. 50 year old Robin Wright has something to her, okay? Yeah. But it, but let's be fair, dude. It's just not common, right? Like, <laughs> like I remember um, 
I was talking to Josh Ravitz and we were talking about Top Chef and he's just like, oh man, Padma Lakshmi is so gorgeous, right? And we, of course, we agree. Padma Lakshmi is so gorgeous. Then I was watching season two Top Chef. It was randomly on reruns, which is the first season I ever watched. I called up Josh and I'm like, you know who's hotter than Padma Lakshmi? It's like, who? Padma Lakshmi 10 years ago. <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about? Go watch a season two episode. He's like, he goes back to watch. He's like, dude, how did I miss this? <laughs> Like, we didn't miss it, dude. Like, and we're talking about Padma Lakshmi, who's like, this is icon. She's so different than everyone else is on TV, right? She's probably not different from the, you know, millions of other people who are in a, in a similar demographic to her. But like, of, of people who are on American television, yeah, she's a singular force and gorgeous and talented and smart and all this stuff. But she doesn't even, <laughs> she doesn't do your, your model of uh, Carrie Russell slash uh, Robin Wright. She's, she's the regular progression. Okay. It's still great. So she started out at Pentagon. I mean, she's still like I, I, maybe she was off the chart. There, she was like she was like Bruce Banner. She couldn't be tested by a normal IQ test. <laughs> You're like Bruce Banner's IQ is so high it can't be tested. Now she's just like on a on reg, regular. Uh, re, regular I, I want to I want to I want a sweet dinner in uh, in San Antonio for Ben Sec off a of Top Chef this year. Really? Yeah. What was your dinner? We got down to well, it's just he had to buy me dinner. Okay. We got down to like six shelves and we drafted. Oh, okay. But I think we I think we want to do it. What do you think about this format for a Top Chef draft for the next season? Each week, you get to pick one contestant. Okay. Because you can't draft like early. I did before. We had a Top Chef. But it's tough. It's tough. Ago. Like there's so much random stuff that happens. But if you just each week you get to pick one. Yeah. As it goes along, you're gonna you know I don't know. I heard, about I heard, it. You know who's weird? You remember Carla? And then she was in All Stars. She, yeah, she's a huge star now. Yeah, but I remember I picked her. She was not good for like the first eight episodes of her original series, and then she like and like the last five episodes she completely took off yeah. and was great. Yeah. Well, that's so unusual for time. Like, the, the level of jump that she had yeah. is incredibly and she's a unusual. Huge star now. She's yeah, like she's a like big on time star. Uh, and she has like a restaurant in Brooklyn. Yeah. All right, so. Uh, what do we learned? Brian's three TV shows that he cannot moto <laughs> are Legion, The Expanse, the Expanse and okay. The Americans. Yep. Um, and also some magic cards. Drake Haven. And Drake Haven. All right. That's it. Bye.